All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the My Ally Sports Podcast Network. And I am excited to be chatting about a very fun topic, a very casual topic for today's podcast. Uh, in truth, I am recording at a slightly earlier time than normal. Uh, because there are things that I would like to do for the rest of today, uh, some of which you get to know, some of which you don't. I'm going to be recording some content with some other folks, and you get to see that at a very short time. And then I'm going to go hang out with uh, with the MHS crowd. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, should be very fun, but this will be a casual episode. Happy Friday to everybody. I hope your day is going fantastic. And we are going to have some fun here. So let's chat a little bit about the best starting units in the NBA. No real uh, visual aids here. I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of stuff. But I did want to just be able to chat about what I am seeing around the NBA right now. And uh, when you have a team like the Boston Celtics, a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, where they make these massive uh, additions to their lineups uh it's gonna be a little bit of a change and i know nuggets fans love to talk about how oh, it's clear you've got the best starting lineup in the nba i mean look at what they just did look at how great this lineup was last year and I, it's it's true there's definitely some truth to that i don't want to dismiss that entirely but it is fascinating to see what other people say when you see damian lillard get added to the bucks and a guy like Drew Holiday getting added to the Celtics when that team already went to the Eastern Conference Finals and it appears that they just got better. So drop down below uh, the teams that you think are contenders for the best starting lineups in the NBA. I, on my end, am going to start by just naming some teams and just like kind of going through the list of, I think, the best contenders for a spot like this and for a list like this. Uh, you have to start with the Denver Nuggets. You have to start with uh, Jamal Murray, KCP, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. How could you now start with that group? That's one of the best starting lineups in existence right there and absolutely deserves the credit that it got over the course of last year. Now, I do think that a lot of the credit should also go to Bruce Brown. He was basically the sixth starter for the Nuggets last year. And when you go back and look through the playoff data, you go back and look through the lineups that really won Denver games. Bruce Brown was a part of a lot of those lineups, people. It, you can't just dismiss him out of hand, but he was a part of that. So can Denver continue to get the best version of itself from the five guys that they have, have really locked themselves into with Jamal, KCP, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Nicola? I, I think so. I, I have no reason to believe that they can't, but... When you lose one of your top six, it's going to affect you. And it might put some more stress on a team, on, on a guy like Michael Porter, on a guy like Jamal Murray, on a guy like KCP. Because let's say there are times that Jamal Murray wasn't like up to it last year, especially during the regular season. Now, obviously, he was up to it during the playoffs, and that wasn't even really a question. But KCP sometimes didn't finish games in the playoffs. Michael Porter sometimes didn't finish uh, games in the playoffs. So I think it's at least fair to open up the question to other teams. This is not an open and shut case where the Denver Nuggets have the best starting lineup in basketball. Do I think that they do? 
Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about why in just a little bit. But I am very curious to hear what everybody else's perspective is on this matter. Now let's talk about a couple of the other teams in the Western Conference. I think it's important to mention the Golden State Warriors, who Chris Paul is introduced into that group, and we're going to see what happens, whether he's going to play a bunch of minutes or not a lot of minutes at all, uh, and, and whether he's going to start games or come off the bench. But the the lineup that they had last year, and it kind of goes under the radar because they were disappointing, their bench was horrible, the starting lineup that they put out there when it was out there was really good. You had Steph Curry, you had Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney. That lineup is a really great two-way lineup because you've got the floor spacing, you've got an attacker in Andrew Wiggins, you've got a guy like uh, Draymond Green that is going to be very dynamic. Uh, Birdman asks, didn't Kerr say Clay may be a power forward sometimes this season? Yes, he did. He said in the lineups that have uh, Steph, uh, CP3, and Andrew Wiggins out there, as opposed to just uh, the the normal starting lineup, there's going to be times where Clay is defending power forwards because Draymond will be playing centers, or like hypothetically, let's say Kevon Looney's out there, he'll be defending centers. And I think you want, or at least this is what, Steve Kerr wants, apparently, you want Andrew Wiggins on the ball. You want him as a guy who is going to be the most disruptive and lengthy athletic defender possible on the ball, and that's Andrew Wiggins. Now, he is a bigger, stronger defender than a guy like Clay Thompson, though, so I'm surprised that Clay's not going to do that, but what that says to me is that he's a little, he's fading back a little bit. You don't want to put as much of a stress on him and yet you're putting him at a power forward? Like that, that just doesn't seem like the right call to me either. So it's a really tough position that the Warriors are in. And for that reason, I can't have them as the top starting lineup in the NBA. There's too many questions. And like Kevon Looney is a fine starting center. He's not in the upper echelon though. And Clay Thompson, as, as long as he was at the top of his game, he's not there now. So I think it's fair to knock them down a tier. They are not in the top tier of starting lineups in the NBA. Now, a couple more teams in the Western Conference before we go to the East. The Lakers, when you go to the Western Conference Finals, you deserve a mention. Now, they I don't think that they were, like, the reason why their team went to the Western Conference Finals wasn't the starters. It was the depth. It was the bench. It was Rui Hashimura coming in off the bench. I don't think Rui's going to start, and if he does, then maybe that makes their starting lineup a little bit better, but their bench then becomes weaker. It's going to be very fascinating to see what the Lakers ultimately do with their starting group. Because I think, as I have it penciled in now, it's D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, LeBron James. I have Jared Vanderbilt in there as their, their power forward. and Or maybe it's the small forward and LeBron is the power forward. And then Anthony Davis is the center. So going to be fascinating to see how that sort of bears out. But I... I not a fan of D'Angelo Russell. He is a good regular season player who can score... I'm not sure how much they need that. Austin Reeves is going to continue to push. And is it better that they have Gabe Vincent out there? Is it better that they have uh, somebody else who is a little bit more on-ball defensive? Probably. And in which case, is that going to be is that going to be a little bit of a count against you for your starting lineup? Yeah, absolutely. And I like I think Austin Reeves, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, they make up a great trio like that is a great trio to start with 
but I'd still be a little bit skeptical as to the other pieces around those two, uh, around those three. Do they have the right piece? Is it Gabe Vincent? Is it Rui Hachimura? Is it Torian Prince? Is it Jared Vanderbilt? I think for that reason, you can knock them down a tier as well. They are not in the top tier of starting lineups in the NBA. Now, what about the Phoenix Suns? That's a tough one because I just talked about a lot of curious mentions and a lot of curious role players that you may have to pigeonhole into a starting lineup position. And you can't talk about that without talking about the Phoenix Suns, who, yeah, they're going to have Bradley Beal and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. That's a great trio to start with. And you have Yusuf Nurkic, who, all right, you're going to pencil him into the, the starting center position. Sure. But who are you playing at the three or who are you playing at that that other spot? Is it Josh Akogi? Is it Keita Bates-Diop? Is it uh, Yuta Watanabe? Is it Eric Gordon? I, I don't know. And I think that that position is so up in the air that you can't really put them in the, the upper echelon of starting lineups either. Now you've got a great big three, fantastic big three, I think. I, I think that that team's going to win a lot of games, but it's going to be on the backs of, of those three not necessarily a lineup in particular. So there are going to be different combinations that they play around with, and they might latch onto one that ends up being really good. But there will be a team in the playoffs that no matter who they put in as that fifth starter, or even against Nurkic for, for that matter, that there will be teams that exploit those players, not necessarily have to battle against them. So that is something to at least think about, and that's at least something to to monitor going forward, but I can't put them in the top group as well. Now, what about Memphis? What about Memphis? That's one that I, I have thought about for a while. John Morant, he's not going to be out there initially, but let's say he's back. And let's say we're talking about this with regard to April and May and June. John Morant, Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams. That's a great lineup to me. That to me is going to be one of those kick-ass lineups that you just don't know what you're going to get from them night to night uh, from an offensive perspective, from a defensive perspective, if you're the opposing team. If you are fans, you know you're going to get a lot of fun. You know you're going to get some up and down moments and you're going to get strong defense. Marcus Smart is going to bring that defensive culture to them. And then you've got Jaron Jackson Jr. who just won Defensive Player of the Year. So I think that that is a group that has a chance to be top five offense, top five defense kind of lineup. Now, is it at the level of Denver? Is it at the level of some of these teams in the East, some of these top teams in the East? I don't think it's quite there, but it's close enough that it at least deserves a mention for sure. So we'll put them to the side for just a little bit. Invisible Man says, uh, I think the Sacramento Kings are a great team. You'd be right. You'd be right. They, they made my short list of teams that I was going to talk about for today. De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, and DeMontis Sabonis. Not the best two through four, don't get me wrong, but it's a great bookend to have. Fox and Sabonis is like the, the B version of Jokic and Murray. I wouldn't call it like a C version or anything like that, but I think it's a B version. I think that those guys are both really, really good. And uh, Gordon's got it right here. King sort of like... Denver Nuggets 2.0. There's there's a, a there's something to that. Now, do they have enough in the middle there? Do they have enough with their role players to really put them up into Denver's tier? Where uh, is can you really put 
Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, and Keegan Murray on the same level as Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., and KCP. I don't think you can, and I don't think that their star duo in, in Fox and Sabonis is up to Denver's tier. So naturally, I can't put them with Denver. I also like Malik Monk off their bench. I like Davion Mitchell off their bench. I think that they have enough options that they can go to. Trey Lyles had a really nice bounce back season for them. Uh, I, I think that they have a good enough bench that you can at least factor that into some of their success, at least a little bit, and maybe not necessarily their top line. But hey, they're a good team. Whether they're a great team or not, that remains to be seen. That'll come down to the development of Keegan Murray. But I think that's it for Western Conference teams. Uh, I don't necessarily want to talk about the Clippers. They have enough interchangeable parts that I think it's just about who is playing around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. It could be any of those other guys, but you can't really pin down a five-man unit. Uh, And then, I don't know, like Dallas has two guys that you can really put down for for this, but not really five. Uh, I I think you got to move over to the East for the rest of this conversation. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference. We're going to talk about what these teams can really put out there and then which team actually can match up with the Nuggets as the best unit in the NBA. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Why would you bet with the big boys this football season when you can try your hand with the local book instead? Superbook Sports this fall. Superbook Sports, they're the book next door. They are just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 as long as you sign up and wager in the same day and use that promo code MILEHIGH. So bet with the best. Use that promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Let me know what your thoughts are about this recording time as opposed to the usual evening recording times that I do. Uh, This is kind of at the the end of the day for a lot of people, at the end of the workday. So not sure if this is going to be more or less popular, but it it was kind of a a off-the-cuff kind of decision by me for, for this one. I decided, hey, got some other things I wanted to get to today, but I knew I wanted to podcast. So Got to make sure to bring the content to the people. Let me know whether you like this day in the record or this time for recording pickaxe and roll. All right. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference. Let's talk about what Eastern Conference teams really can provide when it comes to starting lineup quality and, and whether any team can really match up with the Nuggets. I think you got to start with the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's go with Boston first. Uh, you've got Drew Holiday. I think I have Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis. That's the five that I've got right now. I think Al Horford comes off the bench for them. And I think that that's a better lineup than Denver's. I'm not going to lie. I think that that's a better lineup. It is not for the reason, like, I, I think if those two teams matched up, 
then it might be different. Like Denver still has the capability to outpace that lineup, to be clear. But you're talking about two of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA in Derek White and Drew Holiday. You're talking about two of the best scorers in the NBA in Chris uh, in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Drew Holiday is also a very strong scorer in his own right and also a very strong playmaker in his own right. He's not perfect, but he's very, very good. And you add Chris Porzingis into that, that's a, a decent anchor for your center position defensively, but also a, a good post presence. I think that that lineup is going to kill. I think that lineup is going to be fantastic. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can really provide and what the, what they really look like throughout the season. Uh, but I thought it was just very fascinating that uh, this lineup really came together in the wake of that Damian Lillard trade, where I think if you asked, uh, if you gave truth serum to the Milwaukee Bucks, they're probably kicking themselves that Drew Holiday ended up with the Boston Celtics. <laughs> like They did not want that to happen. They did not want to see that. And I think you could see that with some of the, the commentary online, but it should be fascinating to see how that lineup evolves if you are the Celtics. But I think it's the best in the NBA. I really do. And that's coming from a Nuggets writer. It's coming from a Nuggets analyst, somebody who really focuses on this team as much as I do. Now, if you ask me if those lineups face off against each other, what would happen? I think you're probably looking at Denver winning, but it's it's pretty tough. Like you could realistically, if you are if you're the Celtics, it doesn't even have to be that lineup specifically. Like you could bench Derek White and you could play Drew Holiday on Nicole or on uh, Jamal Murray. You can have two bigs out there with Al Horford and Chris Porzingis, kind of mirroring what Jokic does. Now, there's enough out there and there's enough of like like Denver's versatile enough that I think you could say they could uh, be be a real issue for Denver at some points. But um, I am very curious to see how that evolves and, and what that team looks like this year. That, those will be some measuring stick games for Denver. And I think that that's completely fair. When it comes down to it, do they have enough offense? Do they have enough great decision-making the Celtics? Do they have enough of that in order to outlast a team like Denver? Maybe. But whether it's the Nuggets, whether it's the Bucks, the Celtics are going to give problems to every single team that they face. And I'm very curious to see how they handle that. The other team, obviously, you got to mention the Bucks, And you've got Damian Lillard, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Brooke Lopez. That's a great, great lineup as well. A little bit weaker with Pat Connaughton. I think that he is somebody who, he is a good role player. He is a good rotation player. But in terms of kind of the KCP 3 and D mold, he is not as good at that. He does some things well. He can defend. He can hit threes. Uh, He's also a decent cutter and somebody who can really attack the rim with the, the vertical that he has. But I don't think that he is as good of an option as KCP. So Denver has a slight, slight advantage there. Um, and then you can point to Jokic and, and Giannis being very similar. You can point to Murray and Dame being very similar, although a lot of people will say is Dame being better. This really comes down to what version of Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez you get versus what version of Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter you get. Uh, I think that consistently Denver's been more consistent on that front. Uh, given the injury history of, of, I mean, Denver has their own injury history that they've got to worry about with MPJ, but I still think that if we're talking about recent history and what we can expect from recent events, then Denver, I think, should get the nod there. 
I would put Boston at the top, Denver at second, and Milwaukee at third in terms of the actual starting lineups in the entire NBA. There are weaknesses in other teams in the West. There are weaknesses in other teams in the East. But in terms of the best starting lineups in the league, I think I'd put Boston up at the top. Though you could definitely sell me on Denver. Don't get me wrong. Like They've been through it. They've been through the ringer. And this could be me putting the cart before the horse when it comes to actually talking about those kinds of things and actually giving Boston too much credit when they haven't done anything yet. But uh, that team's been in the Western or in the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals pretty much every year for the last four or five seasons. So now they've had one hiccup here or there, but for the most part, that team is fantastic. So it is hard to really question too much there when you get a couple of awesome players. Uh, a couple of other teams in the East to at least mention. Cleveland Cavaliers, they did upgrade. Uh, they added Max Struess and Georges Niang to their roster, and I think that Struess will start. And then you've got Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. That is a really good lineup if you're adding Max Struess to that. That is a really, really good lineup. Might be the fourth best lineup in the NBA if we're talking about starting groups. I don't know if I would put it above... Like Memphis, I think, is actually up there in terms of the lineup that I'd be looking at. But I think if you're looking at like some of the best groups, the most diverse groups, the best on both ends of the floor, Cleveland should have some of that. They need some progression from Evan Mobley. They need maybe even more progression from Darius Garland. But Donovan Mitchell, he's a fantastic all-NBA caliber guard. And uh, Jared Allen, also a very solid starting center. So there's no questions really with that group. It's just about what level you can get to. So them, uh, they, they should definitely be mentioned. And Philly, although it's hard to really talk about Philly in any positive light right now, I would probably say Philly is in that bottom half of the top 10 as opposed to in that top tier. And then you could possibly put them behind teams like Phoenix and LA and uh, even Golden State, teams like that. But if I am making a top five in terms of the best starting lineups in the NBA, I now have Boston, Denver, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and let's go Memphis as opposed to Golden State. That's, I think that's fair. I think that those teams are going to be fantastic. All five of them are going to probably be the top five records in the NBA. And I'd, I'd be not surprised, but like pretty shocked if one of those teams was actually not good because I, I just think they have too much talent. So going to be fascinating to see how that conversation evolves over the course of these next few weeks uh, when, when these teams actually get on the court. But I am looking forward to seeing what the Nuggets do. I'm looking forward to seeing whether they can hold down that title. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Denver just comes out and, and absolutely kicks ass. But And maybe just the problems that we're actually talking about are, are with the bench. And there's no I'm, – I'm not really talking about any problems with the starting lineup. It's just I think that, that Boston has – done enough that they deserve a serious nod here so we will see what happens but for now uh don't really have that much else on the docket i think that is probably going to do it um happy friday everybody happy happy friday there is a lot going on behind the scenes right now that i am very excited to share at a later date uh but i am working my tail off right now there's a lot to talk about there's a lot that's going down and I can't wait for you to see it. Um, 
If you haven't seen it already, go check out the video that Swipe Cam and I did about the Lakers and the national media disrespecting the Nuggets once again. That one banged a little bit on the MHS YouTube channel. Make sure to go check that one out and see what the powers that be are saying and my response to it should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button on the way out. And I'll talk to you guys very soon.